0: Welcome to the Demand Generation Show, Episode 2. Today we are talking about what demand generation really is, why it's important, and how small and mid market companies can take advantage of the strategy. Let's get started. Welcome to Episode 2. For those of you that know me, you'll know that almost because we're just getting started, I'm going to go outside of what our normal practice is going to be for this podcast. As I promised in Episode 1, the focus of this podcast is going to be about interviewing other people that are doing demand generation on a day-to-day basis to get their thoughts and allow you to hear our conversation with the goal of enabling you to come up with some new ideas or new ways to improve things that you're already doing to drive better results in your business. Today, I'm not going to be interviewing anybody. What I wanted to do to really get this podcast off to a strong foundation is I wanted to share my thoughts on demand generation, specifically what it is, why it's a term that's increasing in its popularity, and to provide a construct so that, A, you can understand where we're going and and what the context is going to be for the interviews that I have in the future, but also to give some real actionable advice in terms of how you can take a demand generation approach, apply it to your business, apply it to your sales, your marketing efforts to drive better results. If you wanna follow along some of the graphics I'll be referring to in this conversation, visit the show notes at www.imaginellc.com slash podcast, go to episode two, You'll see the graphics that I'm referring to, uh, as well as some of the notes and uh, definitions and ideas that I'll be sharing. So as I started to prepare this podcast and we decided to name it the Demand Generation Show, I thought an important first step would be to define what demand generation is. So I went out and did what everybody does when they're trying to figure out the definition. I googled it. And here's what I found. It means a whole bunch of different things to a whole bunch of different people. So let me define what demand generation means to me, what it means to us at Imagine Business Development. We have spent years working with companies to align sales and marketing. And I always find it interesting that we've spent so much time and the task of aligning sales and marketing is so difficult because, well, everyone talks about sales and marketing as sales and marketing, you would think that alignment would be natural, but anyone who's practiced it knows that it's not. And so for years, we would talk about sales and marketing. We would talk about alignment. And part of the problem that we had was that whenever we would talk about it, we kept using this this word that got in the way of achieving the very result that everybody wants. And that word was and, sales and marketing. Kind of like saying sales and operations, finance and operations. These are all different disciplines. That word and kind of communicates that there's a different discipline, there's a different focus, and a different approach. And so we got really frustrated because we kept having to explain so much about what we were talking about. And finally, we just started using the term demand generation. And what we found was that when we talked about demand generation to the marketing side, they naturally saw that it went beyond just normal marketing functions. And that it had to align and work directly with what a sales team is doing. And when we talked about demand generation to the sales team, they naturally got that things had to happen before a lead got to them for them to have the best probability of success and for them to be able to use their time effectively. So when we talk about demand generation, what we're talking about is the totally aligned, totally holistic process Of how companies go about creating interest, turning interest into engagement, and then further turning engagement into consistent, profitable new revenue. And so that's what demand generation is. The totally aligned, totally holistic approach to turn interest into engagement and engagement into revenue. As you begin to break down demand generation and you really look at the process, you're gonna see that it brings together many of the components that you may be familiar with with other disciplines from marketing, inbound marketing, lead generation, sales, lead nurturing, et cetera. Again, what demand generation is all about is tying all of those activities together and ensuring that everything that you're doing from a revenue creation perspective is aligned. Think of it as building, in essence, a manufacturing line to generate revenue. Now, here's a caveat and and partially why I don't often use the manufacturing process as an analogy for demand generation. An important difference between demand generation and other processes is that demand generation is not truly a linear process, meaning that your prospect does not go from the beginning to the end in a straight line process. It's not step one, step two, step three, step four. What you're gonna find with prospects is that very often they're gonna jump around and maybe even in and out of your demand generation process. Now to build it, it, it's gonna be built in a linear fashion, but the terms with which you execute it, it's important to understand that You've got to meet your prospect where they are. And if you're relying on them to manage that in a linear fashion, the process is going to break down. Many of you listening are probably familiar already with the idea of the funnel, the top of funnel, the middle of funnel, and the bottom of the funnel. And so to keep that familiarity, you'll see the diagram that we use to outline the demand generation process we've tied to that funnel approach because in the demand generation process, just like in the marketing funnel process, there are key components to where a prospect is in their journey and the actions that you're gonna wanna take based upon what's going on with your prospect. All right, so now let's go back to our definition of what demand generation is. Demand generation is the totally aligned, totally holistic process of generating interest, transforming that interest into engagement, and engagement into revenue. So therefore, the demand generation process begins before they're in your funnel. This is a place where I see companies time and time and time again miss. If you want to generate demand, if you want to build that predictable demand flow, then you have to begin your efforts before your lead, your prospect is in your funnel. It's crucial that you think above the funnel when designing your demand generation process. So if you look at the graph that we have on the show notes, you'll see that we tie the actions in your demand generation process with the buyer's journey. So that above the funnel phase is where the prospect, where the lead is unaware. We call that the epiphany phase or the epiphany stage. Now, just to give you a feel for how important that stage is, depending upon what data you look at, anywhere between 95 and 85 percent, so 85 to 95 percent of any given market at any given time is in an epiphany stage. They're above your funnel. They're either not thinking about the issue that you impact, or in many cases, they think they're happy with what they already have. And so if you can't connect with prospects before they've decided that they want or they need the types of things that you offer, then the opportunities that you're going to have are going to be highly diminished. And what you're going to find as well is that they're probably going to be far more competitive. The opportunity you have with the demand generation process is to be the one that stimulates that demand, to be the one that causes that epiphany. And so when you're designing your above-the-funnel strategy, you're really looking to do three things. First and foremost, you want to answer and provoke questions. Think about the types of people that you're trying to attract and ask yourself, what are the top questions that are on their mind? What are they thinking about when they're not thinking about you? So for example, this podcast is designed to be an epiphany stage tactic for us. we we thought long and hard about the types of questions that are on the minds of the key personas that we have. And so this podcast is geared for people not looking to buy anything from any, from anybody, but the people that are looking to improve or enhance the results that are at the top of their list. And so we definitely want to provide answers. We want to give you that path. We want to help We want to help you do a better job yourself. But at the same time, we also want to provoke questions. We want to cause you to think differently about how you're doing whatever it is that you're doing. And that's really what opens up that opportunity to generate a lead. That's what opens up the opportunity to begin to create some interest and to create some engagement. And so in addition to answering and provoking questions, This is also your opportunity to establish that thought leadership. Why should I be listening to you if I'm not buying from you? And and if you think about it, the reason that thought leadership is so crucially important is because it's tantamount to really building the type of trust that you're going to want to have to be able to move somebody all the way through that funnel. You need to establish your philosophy, your positioning, your value as to why I'd want to listen to you on my own Why would I want to read your stuff? Why would I want to engage with your company, even if I'm not looking to buy anything? And the third thing that's happening above the funnel is you're establishing your overall positioning. You're you're building the foundation to deliver what we refer to as your commercial teaching point of view. You know, the bottom line is, if you're not delivering a point of view, then you're delivering a commodity. So what is your point of view? That's the basis for how you're going to influence people And your ability to deliver that effectively gives you an advantage in creating business over time. Now, if you've done these three things effectively, eventually, and very often very quickly, you're going to do something that causes someone to want to take action with you. They're going to seek more information. They're going to download a piece of content. They're going to share something that identifies them. And that's when a lead is generated. When that lead is generated, now they're in your funnel. Now you can begin to really personalize and focus the journey that they're gonna experience with you. So if you think about the awareness stage, this is where your qualified lead population exists. Now it's crucially important that you define what a qualified lead is. You can visit our blog, search buyer personas. We've got plenty defining what qualified leads are and how to figure out what that definition is. But now that they're there, remember that especially at the awareness phase, especially when the lead is first generated, very rarely is that lead generated because they wanted to buy something. The actions that you took above the funnel caused them to want to learn more. You struck a chord with them. You shared something that that they thought was valuable. And so they downloaded it. They downloaded an offer. They listen to a podcast, whatever the case may be. Your job to teach the problem, to communicate your point of view, hasn't ended upon the download. If anything, it's actually expanded. Early in that awareness phase, you need to be focusing on your why. Be sure that your demand generation process is built around what we like to call why-based messaging. What's the problem that you solve? Why is the problem difficult to solve? The more you can get your lead, your prospect, to understand their problem, the totality of the problem, the cause of the problem, and further the impact of the problem, the greater the likelihood that they'll take action and move further down your funnel, further through your process, and the greater the likelihood that they're going to take action to buy from you. So as you begin to generate that lead, be sure that you continue to teach the problem. You do that again through the delivery of that commercial teaching point of view that I talked about earlier. As awareness moves to consideration, as top of the funnel moves towards the middle of the funnel, you want to begin to address what we call impact questions here's how to ensure that you're connecting with impact questions list the problems that you solve and then ask and answer what are the consequences if this problem isn't solved think about this for a moment there's only one reason that someone doesn't buy something from you there's only one reason that someone doesn't take action and the reason is they don't see the consequences consider what are the questions that are going through somebody's mind right now As they're beginning to border on, do I want to take action or do I not want to take action? This is not the point to be focused on you, your products, your services, or your attributes. You're still very much in that thought leadership position. And you're teaching how to understand the impacts of the problems that have been identified, of the problems that your lead has connected with, as well as answering the questions in such a way That it becomes clear that it's easier and less risky to move forward to the consideration phase than it is to just ignore the issue and focus on something else. Okay, now if you're on the marketing side, what I just talked about really isn't anything new. It's the top of the funnel. We've been talking about it for four years on the Demand Creator blog. We've been writing about it on the HubSpot blog and the guest posts that we do. In terms of the strategies for top of the funnel. But remember that demand generation is not just another word for lead generation or another word for inbound marketing. The demand generation process also has to guide your sales process. And so your sales people, your sales outreach, and your outbound should be focused on these same things. If you're going outbound and you're working a targeted list and the people on that list haven't engaged with you yet, then you need to realize that they're above the funnel, unless there's a specific reason that you know that they're taking actions that are in the middle or the bottom of the funnel. So your goal in the beginning of any outbound effort is to do the same things you'd want to do in an inbound effort at the epiphany stage. You've got to earn my attention. You've got to teach me why do I want to pay attention to this in the first place? At the awareness stage, at, at the top of the funnel, which again making sure that your sales team is reaching out to these people. Leads have been generated. Don't wait for them to buy from you. Be sure that your messaging and your approach meets them to where they most likely are. Too often, a lead comes in and a salesperson treats it like they're a prospect to buy something and they forget that their job is still to educate. Their job is still to provide that teaching point of view. So be sure that your marketing efforts Your sales development efforts and your sales efforts are all working in lockstep in this demand generation process to ensure that you're hitting the important points that are at play for your prospect, where they are in their journey to action. As we move further down the funnel, we're now in the middle. We're in the middle of the demand generation process. And this is frankly where it gets hairy. This is where far too many companies do everything right before and after and still don't get the results that they're looking for because they haven't built the middle of the process out effectively. It's in the middle where sales, marketing, and sales development have to work in concert, hand in glove. This is where it gets hairy for the buyer as well. They've become aware of the problem that they have. If you've done your job right in the demand generation process, you've influenced how they're defining their problem and how they perceive the consequence of those problems going unmet. So you've got a lot of momentum here. Remember that up to this point, it hasn't been about product, and it still can't be about product. We call this phase of the journey the consideration phase because this is where your buyer begins to make decisions about what they'll do and how they'll do it. Not really so much who they'll do it with. Remember, at this stage, your biggest competitor is still the status quo. As much momentum as you may have built in the awareness stage, this is the place where you've got to overcome inertia. And inertia is a really powerful force. So as you move out of the awareness stage, less attention is spent to provoking or challenging or changing. And now your job is to begin to educate on the solution. This is your turn to teach people how to solve their problem. Now, I've seen time and time again that far too many companies start trying to teach why they can solve the problem. And they're skipping a step. This is not about you. This is still about them. This is if you've defined your problem the way we tell you should define your problem in at the top of the funnel, this is how to solve that problem. So we've gone from the why to the how. We begin to educate them on the types of sales questions that we might get. Very early stage sales questions still about the how, not about the what or the who. So we're teaching, we're sharing answers to questions that are about what do I need to know to determine if I should take action and how I should take action. And as we move further down here, our job is to also establish our capabilities. Now, I've also learned from seeing thousands of companies go to market that there's a tendency to confuse what I like to call the capability story with the credibility story. The credibility story is we've been in business for a combined 360 years of experience. We've got 700 MBAs, 3,000 engineers, and 17 Nobel Prizes. This is our warehouse. This is our CEO. All that stuff, all that crap that just fills up so many sales proposals and so many important web pages. right? That's about your credibility. The capability is about what does one have to be able to do to solve a problem? So for example, if you go to our blog, you you see that we spend a lot of time talking about capabilities. And as we're teaching those capabilities, we're establishing the capability as well. For example, we talk about the importance of understanding buyer personas, whether you've got a marketing goal or a sales goal. We talk about the need to manage technology effectively. We talk about the strategic orientation, as well as the tactical orientation. We talk about process. All of those things are teaching you what you need to be able to do to solve your problem, further establishing that capability as ours, that we can help you do that. Trust really is far more about the capability than it is about the credibility. And and the beauty of it is, is when we're establishing our capabilities, we don't have to talk so much about us. Then at the end, This is where you begin to address the barriers that prevent somebody from moving to a full-fledged sales process. You should know what are the reasons that the right person doesn't initiate the process, and be sure you're addressing those. Now, this is happening online, but it's also happening offline. It's happening with your outbound efforts. It's happening with how you follow up with an inbound lead. So someone downloads something at the awareness stage, what are the questions that you ask in that prospecting process or in that sales development process? Where do you focus your story? When do you begin to present your demo? What type of demo do you present? When do you begin to talk about the sales conversation? What are you doing before you hand that lead off to a salesperson? Or if you're the salesperson that's managing it, what do you do before you go for the appointment where you're going to begin to present? You see, I've learned far too often what we do here is the moment we get contact, bam, we're in sales presentation mode and we lose the customer. That's not what demand generation is all about. We need to make sure we've got the right people engaged in the right process to look at the right things before we get to that decision stage, before we get into our full sales process. And this is the job of marketing, prospecting, sales development, salespeople, all working together, all aligned, hand in glove to continue to educate, motivate, and influence how the prospect is looking at their situation. When you do that correctly, then the demand generation process has succeeded because you're able to turn over a truly sales qualified lead to your sales team. You've learned the right things. You've established the right metrics. You've established the basic story. The buyer understands who you are. And what you stand for, you've learned a great deal about the buyer to know what's important. And now you can begin to initiate a very high value sales process that leads to predictable results. And that is your 20-minute introduction to what is demand generation and how does it connect to your sales process. Make sure you come back in future episodes because the entire focus of all of these interviews are going to be taking that demand generation process that I just walked through or that you can see on the show notes and digging deeper with experts in each facet of this process. We're going to focus on actionable ideas, real life examples. We're going to keep theory to a minimum because we want you to be able to listen to this show, apply what you've learned and see results as quickly as possible. Stay tuned. Just a couple seconds from now, I'm going to introduce our next tech tip. While there are as many opinions about what it takes to execute a demand generation program effectively, the one thing I don't think you'll get any disagreement on is the absolute crucial importance of your web presence and your website. Uh, Your website is the central hub for everything that you're doing from a demand generation process. It's crucial from a marketing standpoint, from a lead generation standpoint, as well as a sales standpoint. And there's been a tremendous amount of technology that has enabled us to manage our websites much better. Uh, Google Analytics has changed the game when it came out, allowing anybody to know what's really happening on their website. Companies like HubSpot, which we use, Marketo, other companies like that, provide uh, some great additional analytics to be able to figure out what types of content and what types of things are really happening on your website, what's working, what's not working, and analytics are crucially important. But for years, if you were a smaller mid-market company, the one thing that you could never do was really get a picture of how do people behave on your website? Uh, What do they look at? Where do they move their mouse? What do they click on? Where do they click on it? How much of your page do they look at? Where do they spend more time? Where do they spend less time? Hotjar is a tool that we have started using with a number of our clients. We use it for our website as well. It's a relatively inexpensive tool where you can build and manage those heat maps or click maps. For example, we noticed that the area where we had some of our key calls to action on our homepage, they, they weren't getting clicked very often. Um, and we were actually getting clicks in another place that had information that wasn't quite as valuable to us as we wanted it to be. We were able to see this And we shifted the two spots, and we saw a significant increase in our clicks. For a client, we noticed that people weren't scrolling down to the bottom half of their homepage. So we rearranged how things were ordered, and we were not only able to get the important things that that maybe were being missed because people weren't scrolling down to it, but also by changing how the page was structured, we were able to significantly increase the percentage of visitors that went further down the website allowing us to expose the message. There's a number of things that Hotjar can do. If you're not using something to get a picture of how people are behaving on your website, you're really missing something. And if you want to make sure that you've got it, Hotjar is a real nice, simple, uh, inexpensive tool that you should be utilizing as part of your tracking and measurement system. So check out Hotjar. I think you'll find it very valuable and very insightful Uh, to how you manage your website. That's our show today. Uh, Once again, let me ask if you have any questions. uh, If you want to reach out, say hi, give me some feedback on the show, please send me an email, doug at imaginellc.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Doug Davidoff. If there's any topics or suggestions that you'd like to see on a future show, reach out, let me know. Check us out on iTunes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, uh, we'd love you to do so. Uh, nothing would make us happier than, than seeing that we're creating enough value on this show to make you want to subscribe to it. If have, also, if you have any suggestions for a guest, we'd love to interview uh, people that you want to hear from. So thanks again for joining us on episode two. Make sure you check out our other episodes, and we will talk to you next time.